0: my guys, my name's Brianna and I'm here with Pastor Nicole, and we're gonna to talk to you about Operation Christmas Child this year. So Brianna, tell the people why Operation Christmas Child is so important to you. So this to me is just a tangible way that we can like reach kids around the world with the gospel. Everybody can. Mm-hmm. But we're going to do a little different this year you've had this amazing idea and we found out that there's packing parties going on all around us and we've been doing this individual and that's amazing but we think we can make a bigger impact and buy supplies at a cheaper cost by going through amazon if you see a qr code laying around that's going to be just for operation christmas child and brian has made this list so that we'll know what pencils balls stuffed animals whatever needs to go in this box We can order it and get it at a cheaper price, and it directly ships to the church. So that will be ready for our packing party. And we have a really big goal this year. Mm -hmm. We're going to do 500 this year. 500 boxes. That's amazing. And we can all be a part of it. So what we're asking you to do is be sure and purchase something from Amazon. Go on the wish list. And number two, show up on the date. So it's going to be October 29th. After church in the lobby. Show up on that date, and immediately when we leave and dismiss church, we're going to have all of the packing stuff out so that everyone can participate. We want you and your children, go ahead, prepare a note that you want to put in a box. Take a picture, share it with your family. Whatever you want to do, we want you to be a vital part of this day for us. So bring your families out, buy something, and show up on the packing party. Help make Operation Christmas Child a success
1: this year. Good morning, church family. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. Now turn to your other side and say, I'm glad you're here. It's great that we get to do life together, amen. Got a couple of announcements here for you. Uh, If you are in the house, we wanna welcome you. We are so glad that you decided to come and worship with us today. And if you're watching via live stream, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube, click that like button, click that share button, share the message today with somebody else out there. We would love for you to be in the house with us, but we know that you can't always be here. Uh, There are some ushers walking around with uh, prayer cards. Uh, the prayer and altar team. If you have a prayer request, take one of those cards, fill it out, they'll be back around to collect those here in a little bit, or you can drop them in the offering bucket. Uh, But we wanna be able to stand in the gap and pray for the needs of those around us, amen? Whether it's what you have a need for, whether it's your, I don't know, your sister's brother's uncle's niece, Whoever it is, we wanna be able to stand in the gap and pray for those needs because there is power in prayer. If you are a first time guest in the house, there is a red card in the back of the pew in front of you. You can fill that out and those can either be taken out to the welcome desk or you can drop them in the offering bucket. We just wanna be able to connect with you, be able to know how we can stand with you. I do have a couple of announcements here for you. Uh, as you saw, there is a video uh, for the Operation Christmas Child. Make sure you stop out at the table in the lobby uh, just so that way you know what we need for that packing party. Um, they, they've got a whole list of how many items that they need. Make sure you stop out there and check it out. And then uh, if you have not been through Next Steps yet, uh, that is where you get to decide if you are ready to become a member of only Believe Church. This is the class for you. And that is gonna be meeting next Sunday, right after church. Uh, it's October the 1st, right after service. And we wanna be able to connect with you, find out how we can get you plugged into the church. And that way you can join our family here at Only Believe. I do have a little bit of encouragement here for you before we continue on. I was talking to somebody this week And they were like, oh, fall is just around the corner. And I know we've already passed the first day of fall by now, but they were like, the weather's getting colder. We're so ready for the pumpkin spice. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm the type of person that about two pumpkin spice drinks into the season and I'm done. But, But I know there are some of our staff here at the church that are like pumpkin spice everything. I'm not that way but they were, they were talking about, oh, well it's the season for pumpkins and season for fall and it's 13 weeks until Christmas. It was like, hold up. You were just talking about being excited for this season and now you're already jumping ahead to the next season. You're skipping out on what you were just talking about, how you were excited for that part of your life and now you're skipping ahead like you don't even wanna enjoy this moment. In Ecclesiastes chapter three, it says, there is a time and a season for everything, for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and laugh, a time to mourn and dance, a time to scatter stones and to gather them, a time to embrace and refrain from embracing, A time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Church, there is a time and a season for everything. And we can know that our God is with it, with us through every season. So look for Him. Whether you think it's a dark season of your life or whether you are in a season of rejoicing and plenty, he's with us. Now church, we have a chance to celebrate today because there is somebody who has decided that it is the time and the season to be baptized. So Pastor Nicole, I'm gonna throw it up to you.
0: Hey, come on up. So everybody, this is Morgan. And Morgan reached out, oh, I don't know, a couple months ago two months ago on Messenger and began to tell me what God had began to do in her life. She was nervous this time. She's been in church before, but she came back. God's began the work that he will finish, Morgan. You needn't worry about the process of what's ahead because he's got it for you. Have you asked the Lord to be your personal Savior today? Yeah. Today, We're gonna do this baptism in front of the entire church. This is your family. And they're looking on to say that this is an outward expression of the inward change that the Holy Spirit's done on you. You ready to proclaim that today? All right, cover your nose and your mouth. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we baptize you today.
2: Oh, come on, that's something to be excited about one of our family members from death to life. Amen. Hallelujah. I'll praise in the valley and praise on the mountain. I'll praise when I'm sure and praise when I'm doubting. I'll praise when I'm outnumbered and praise when surrounded. 'Cause praise is the water my enemy's drowned in. As long as I'm breathing, I've got a reason to praise the Lord. Oh. It's more than a sound. My praise is the shout that brings Jericho down. As long as I'm bringing I praise the Lord, oh my soul. I praise because you're sovereign, I praise because you reign, I praise because you rose and defeated the great. I praise because you're faithful, I praise because you're true. Praise cause there's nobody greater than you. I'll praise cause you're sovereign. Praise cause you reign Praise cause you rose and you in the grave. I'll praise cause you're faithful. Praise cause you're true. Praise cause there's nobody greater than you. Praise the Lord. Oh my soul. Soul, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. a place to hide this weirdness this vagabond and I try with all my might but I just can't win the fight I'm slowly drifting a vagabond oh yes and just when, when I, I read how the road and he told me that i was not alone pick me up turn me around place my feet on solid ground i think the master i think the savior because he healed my heart he changed my name forever free i'm not the same i think the master I've been the Savior, oh I thank God, oh yes, oh I thank God, and I cannot deny what I've seen, I've got no choice but to believe, my doubts are burning like ashes in the wind, oh yes, say so long to my old friends, come on hope, oh, burden and bitterness, you can just keep it moving. Know you and welcome here. Oh no, from now till I walk the streets of gold, I sing of how you saved my soul. This wayward Sun is mine. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, because He healed my heart, changed my name, forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, I thank God. Another one, I am free. I am free. Mama, free. I am free. Tell us another one. I am free. I am who I am free. I am free. Tell us another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. I am free. Tell us another one. Another one I am free I am free I am free Hell last another one I am free Oh I am free we are free Oh hell last another one I am free I am free I am free Hell last another one free solid ground. I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. He could heal my heart, change my name, forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. I thank God. Get up all that graze. Get up, get up, get up, get up all that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Come on, you don't have to stay there. Get up, get up, get up, oh get up all that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up all that quiz. Get up, get up, get up, get up all that wave. Get up, get up, get up, get up all that Get up, get up, get up, oh get up. Get up, get up, get up. Get up, Get up, get up, get up. Get up, I Get up, get up, get up. Oh, get up, I like crai. Get up, get up, get up. Get up, Get up, get up, get up. Get up, Get up, get up, get up. Get up, I Get up, get up, get up. Get up, that Get up, get up, Turn me around, place my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, because He healed my heart, changed my name forever free. Come on, let's sing that again. Because He healed, come on, He healed your heart, Change my name forever free. I think the master. I think the sea. Yes, I think the master. I think, come on, the name of my names. The master. I think the sea. I think. God. Come on, all over this place, let's lift our hands in worship today as a sign of surrender. And let's just tell the Lord this morning, he's worthy. He's worthy for no other reason but him and him alone. He is worthy today. Lord, you're worthy to receive every ounce of praise. Every ounce of praise belongs to you this morning. We worship you, Father. Father. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. and change who you are or what you deserve i give you my worship you still deserve and you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy of my song i pour out your praises in blessing and breaking you're worthy You're worthy, Jesus, you're worthy of my song. The that's the way I feel and the fear I'm facing doesn't change who you are and what you deserve. I give you my worship. I give you my worship. And you still deserve it. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy of my song I pour out your praises in blessing and breaking you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy of my song you are worthy oh you're worthy Lord I'm gonna live King is risen,
1: gonna preach
2: to my soul that you've already won. Even though I can't see it, I'm gonna keep believing that every promise you made Song. I pour out your praises in blessing and breaking. You're worthy. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy. sin
3: take up tithe and offering this morning, and uh, man, I tell you what, he's worthy of our tithes and our offerings. We can't say he's worthy of it all and then deny him that area of our lives. We can't do it. In Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4, the Bible says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. That's it. That's, I'm just kidding. That's not all I got for you. What in the world does that have to do with tithe and offering? Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. What's the, what's the concept here? Well, the whole point is if you muzzle it while it's treading out the grain, that keeps it from eating the grain that it's treading through, right? You see the concept here. We don't want it to eat what we're trying to harvest, right? So in the law, the Lord says, don't act that way. It's all right. Let the ox eat while it's doing its work, right? You guys with me so far? This is powerful wisdom. That Paul then takes, and look what he does with it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm going to just start in verse, I'm going to start in verse 3. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 3. Paul's writing, he says, this is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. He says, don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brother and Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? He says, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Saying, Am I just saying this as a man, or is there something more divine behind what I'm saying to you? And he says this, doesn't the law say the same thing? Verse 9, for it is written in the law of Moses... Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. He says, is it about oxen that God is concerned? (laughs) He says, surely not. Surely this is for us. Yes, this was what was written for us because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. And just in case we're not sure what he's talking about, he says, if we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? We're gonna continue, he says, but we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Now, let me just pause right there because some of you go, but didn't he just say he didn't take that right? Yeah, he did say it, but he said it for a very specific reason. He's not saying that they weren't entitled to it. He's saying that we, we just determined it would hinder the gospel, that for some reason someone might not respond to Jesus because of that right that we have. But he's appealing to common sense, right? If you go work your job, don't you deserve to get paid for the work that you do? I don't know, maybe you didn't hear the question. Uh, let me try again. If you go to work tomorrow and you do your job, do you expect to get paid for it? Yeah. Okay, that's the common sense logic. And then if that's not compelling enough, Paul goes to the, mall, the, law, the, mall of Moses, the law of Moses. He says, look at the law of Moses. God said, don't uh, uh, muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain. He's like, is God really concerned about the ox? The question is, or the answer is, yes, God cares for all of his creation. But Paul says the point wasn't for the ox. It was for us to realize that we shouldn't hinder people. Like when they're doing the work they're supposed to be doing that they're called to do, don't hinder them from receiving the benefit of it. But he said, I didn't do that. But look at this, verse 13. He says, don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? And that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar. Now look at this. He's appealed to common sense. He's appealed to the law of God. Now he's going to take you straight to Jesus. Verse 14, in the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Why do we tithe? Well, Paul is, he's, he's dealing with this and he's saying, hey, don't you know that those who serve in the temple make their living by the temple? Do you want to know where that living came from? The tithe. God instituted the tithe in the Old Testament. Why? Because God called out a special tribe, the Levites, and he said, your job is to work for me. And you're only allowed to work for me, so you can't go earn a living, so here's how I'm going to take care of you with the tithe. Church tithe hasn't gone away because God still cares about the people that he's called to the sacred task of working in the church to the five-fold ministry that's laid out for us in Scripture. God still cares about it, and Paul is making an argument based on common sense, based on the Old Testament law, and based on the command of Jesus himself to say, don't deprive those who are called to work in the ministry. Don't deprive them. So church, if the Bible's that bold about it, I'm gonna be that bold about it. We shouldn't withhold from God what he's asked us to give. And the 10th, by the way, is just the starting point of our generosity. It's just the starting point. Why? Why? Because in Christ, we know that our ultimate source is God. We give the 10th to make sure those that preach and proclaim the gospel are able to live, to be able to provide for their families, to have food to eat. That's where the tithe should go. But then the scriptures talk about over and above giving offerings. Why? Because I don't have to live in fear that I don't have enough. If If all I am is a steward of what God gives me, then if God shows up and says, give everything, I know that's scary like whoa, whoa whoa hold up jesus but he did do it remember that that one guy is like what must i do to inherit eternal life jesus says go sell everything you have give it to the poor and come follow me and it says that that man went away he was like heartbroken and what was jesus's response jesus felt pity for him why i think it's because that man couldn't trust that god would take care of him If God's the one that asks you to give it, you can trust that God's got your back. You're not going to lack whenever God asks you to give out of what he's given you. You're not going to lack. And so church today, I want to encourage you. If you've never tithed, I just want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to hear the words of the Lord. Paul Paul makes a plea based on your common sense, based on the law of Moses, and based on the command of Jesus. Don't withhold your giving from the church. Don't withhold it give to the church and then over and above that let's live the way Christ wants us to open-handed when the Lord leads us to go over and above to bless other people and I'm not just talking about giving in church I'm talking about when you see that person holding up the sign that says I don't have anything to eat and the Holy Spirit says hey do something we move well I'm not sure I got enough if the Holy Spirit said to move you move (laughs) walk in obedience God you can read the whole Bible man God always responds to our obedience Always, 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 always he'll do it. You can trust him. He's faithful. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's pray over it this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that your word is teaching us and instructing us in the paths of life and righteousness. That through your word, you're leading us to the abundant life. Help us not to trust in our own wisdom, our own ideas about how things should go or how things should work. Help us to trust in your word, Lord. As we're led by your spirit, Father, I pray that you would bless us today in accordance with your word. And we thank you for everyone who gives today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can bring your tithe and offering down to the Lord.
0: You all for coming and choosing to spend your day here at Only Believe Church. We're grateful that you're with us as a church family today. If you're a visitor, welcome. This is a a family of faith, and we call it that because we bear one another's burdens. We don't look to the side or ignore what we see, but we take on what we see and what we feel. What motivates God motivates us, right? I think of Only Believe as a church. And I think of the series that we're teaching on being of a champion bloodline. And I think of us and I see us as a church that takes action against the enemy. I know a lot of your fights. I hear a lot of your struggle. But I sense the faith in your spirit and what's happening inside. And God's doing a great work. And here's, here's what I say to the devil. There's an old song. I don't know if I even got this right. Look out, devil, because here they come. Look out, devil, because here they come. And I don't even know where that song came from. It could be made up by my parents. I don't even know. But I'm telling you that when the devil sees a church, a church, I think sometimes when he just sees our sweatshirt that says only believe, he's like, oh my gosh, here they come. Here they come again because they don't stop. They don't give up and they don't fall into the pressures of the world. Amen? They stand up and they fight. I'm telling you, only believe you are an amazing group of people. And it's not something that we take lightly. The devil tries to advance his kingdom. But God's kingdom and God's kids are always one step ahead of where the enemy is. It may look like you're surrounded, but faith says, nope, I'm coming out on top. Amen? That's who we are. Let's start in prayer today before we get started. Lord, we just come before you today. And Lord, I thank you for the word that's about to go forth. Father, I thank you that it would stir the faith that's within us. Father, that as your sons and daughters, Father, we would glean that which the Holy Spirit needs us to take away today. Father, that we wouldn't just take it away, but God, we would put it into action today. That our feet would follow what our spirit is telling us to do. Father, that in faith we would live, move, and have our being. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so for a couple of Sundays, we have been speaking about living the life of a champion. And last week, we learned that champions are not just born like we've heard our whole lives, but champions are made. Yes, you can be born Of a wonderful mother and a wonderful father who were addicts of sports, they were good, they they met the hundred, you know, free throw, shot, goal, whatever it is, and that bloodline's in you, but unless discipline and an action of following through, in other words, showing up to practice happens, then you only have the blood of a champion inside of you, but you are not a champion. This change happens when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and does His divine work. Leading, walking, talking with us through this life. I want to review Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, because this has been the, 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 the corner of our scripture over the last couple of weeks. It says... Uh, yeah. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, every hindrance, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by, here's the answer, keeping our eyes on Jesus... The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the real champion. You and I, even though being born into a champion bloodline, it is not of our own works... That we conquer the enemy. It is by the Holy Spirit and the power of the living God that lives inside of you and I, which does the work. Don't get that confused. Here's the meaning of a champion. I thought it was good to review. A person who has surpassed or defeated all, someone say all, all rivals in a competition. Now, I'm going to say the word competition is very important right there because I was watching a beauty pageant and I won. I took home the trophy, but no one else showed up to compete. (laughs) Well, that's all great to say I miss whatever Ohio something or other. They made up some stupid term. There was no one to compete with me, so of course I won. I won by default. The Savior didn't win by default. There was a competition ensued for your life that would determine you would live eternity separated from God and put in an everlasting hell. But Jesus defeated the devil which held us captive by the grave. That resurrection power makes him the champion. And I apologize if there's any other girl that has gone through a beauty pageant and no one showed up i'm sorry it really does something to your security i'm just kidding i'm really not broke number two a person who fights or argues a cause on the behalf of someone else what do you think jesus is doing at the right hand of the father see the devil comes every day to remind god of what you and i have done but jesus says oh no 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 God, I went to bat for them. I'm the one who went to the cross. Remember the blood. The blood of the lamb that washed over one drop was enough to forgive all of mankind. My duty was done. I fulfilled the work of the cross. I went to that earth and I did what you needed me to do. Therefore, he has to be silenced. He's our champion and he fights for you and I. Now you and I are a part of this supernatural bloodline and it lives inside of you and I. The character last week that we talked about was Gideon. And we learned that he really had a big struggle in trusting God. What he said, what he was supposed to do and to carry out, to put the action to what God was saying, right? And we looked at Gideon because even though he was hiding... Even though he was avoiding the enemy or the competition, God didn't want Gideon to go all on his own. Every time he spoke to him, he said, if you'll just go in your own strength, I will be with you. God was trying to show Gideon that you're seeing yourself as less than. You're only looking at your inability to do what I've asked you to do. But I'm not asking you to see yourself this way. I see you differently. I see the man you can become with me by your side. Because I've already defeated your champion if you'll just allow me to go with you. Sometimes I think you and I, we talked last week that we try to do it on our own strength. We don't go with God in our own strength. We go in our own strength. And then when we can't defeat the enemy that's in front of us, then we go back and we say, well, maybe we should do it your way this time. Maybe we should just do it God's way the first time. Amen. Amen? I'm going to, I write this on my board To delay is to disobey. To delay is disobey. How quick do we respond to the word of the Lord? Does it take us four days, five days, seven days, ten days? To delay is to disobey. That's not even in my notes. Someone needed to hear that today. You and I are mighty warriors in God's eyes, we're heroes. We're heroes because he sees what you and I were meant to become. When we take God's word and we act upon them in faith, we don't have to be the strongest that we're ever going to be. All we have to do is start stepping out in faith. In faith one step at a time you may not have what it takes but that's okay when you don't have what it takes God steps in and makes up the breast of you so that it's enough for you to take the enemy but it takes the action of faith to move in what you have you know I'm reminded before dad went through the into the ICU unit he looked at me and he said here give me your hand and he put his hand on his chest and he said, pray with me. And I thought, what do you want me to pray? Like, you're the, you're the man. You're the one that lays hands on these people when they get miracles. Like, I just lay hands on my kids who have a wound and say it's going to be all right. Amen? I, I'm serious. And I'm like, what do you need me for? And he put his hand on, me, on his chest and he said, God, I give you all the faith I got. And I don't think it's enough. But that's all I got, and it'll have to do. You do the rest. What was he doing? As a father, he was showing me. You go in your own strength, and you ask God to fill in the rest. And what was the outcome? He came out of ICU. He came out of that situation that literally doctors gave him less than a 25% chance of even coming out. I'm here to tell you that your faith is enough today, right now, right here where you are. The growing of this supernatural seed, whatever you're in, where you are, is enough. And God says, I'm looking at what you're going to become. And with me, there's nothing you can't do. But it's when we only go in our own strength that it's not enough. Jesus is our champion. Today we're going to talk about the giants we face, but how to face them in confidence. Gideon was a little bit on the backside. Gideon didn't have some history with God that he needed. He, I don't know why. I don't know what his story was. I just know that Gideon needed to be reassured with every step he took. And it's okay if that's where you are in your fight of faith today. But I'm going to show you another story that looks a little different. Today's troubles, today's giants consist of sin. Some of us still have the giant of sin standing in our face. And we literally can't go one hour without needing the forgiveness and the grace of God. Some of us still deal with addiction, lack, sickness, disease. How about this one? Loneliness. No matter what happens in your life, you still feel alone. That's a giant. Anxiety. Fear of man. How many of you care what people think about you and around you? Like they look at your choices and analyze them. How about hurts and insecurities? The list goes on and on and on and every day you and I wake up, I guarantee you within the first hour there is a giant in your mind that's starting to taunt and to yell at you. Oh, yep, there you are. You ugly thing. I saw you in the mirror this morning, right? Isn't that what happens? How many of you ladies over 50, you walk by the mirror sometimes and I look at the mirror and I'm like, wait a minute. That ain't, oh, that is me. See, because in your mind you stopped aging at a certain point. Me and Marsha were in the bathroom today. We were talking about that age. I'm just telling you. It comes upon you. It's not that I don't want to grow old. I don't care. I just see myself a certain way. And then when I look in the mirror, I'm like, yeah, sister, you ain't that no more. My mind has to change. But the enemy can use that in some of our women's lives and lie to us. He can tell us as men that we're no longer enough. That we're no longer enough for our marriage. We're no longer enough for our kids. They can tell us seniors that, you know what, you're overdone. You're outdone. You're old news. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're history. We need history. You've done it before us. And it doesn't mean that's the only way to do it, but we need your wisdom and where we're going and what we're going to do. On a daily basis, these appear larger than life. So today we're going to talk about a story where the giant was larger than life. It's an age-old story, but I need to give you some backstory to the characters that we're going to read about today to catch you up to speed. And if you don't know the story of David and Goliath, then I'm going to fill you in. It's a great story. The Lord has taken time to speak to a prophet called samuel remember in the old testament jesus had not come yet so the prophets were the only ones that could go to god speak to him get an answer and come back and tell the people what god said today the spirit of the living god lives inside of you and i so you and i can hear the voice of the lord we don't have to have a prophet we don't have to go to the tabernacle and get a prophet to go get the news for us from god okay but so he spoke to the Sam, Samuel, the prophet, to tell him King Saul was getting ready to go into battle. This was the first king of Israel. And when he did, he told him, when you go in, I'm going to give you the battle. But when I give it to you, do not take anything out of that camp. Don't take any women. Don't take any children. Don't take any men. Don't take any kings. Don't take any cows. Don't take any pigs. Don't take nothing. In fact, I want you to kill it all. Leave nothing alive when you leave. That was the specific instructions. Saul goes and tells Samuel goes and tells Saul this. But Saul did not obey the word of God. He did not obey the words of God. What are the words of God for you and I? Anything he speaks to you through the still small voice and anything that is written in this word is the word of God to you and I today. He did not. He disobeyed and when he did, his, he didn't even accept responsibility for it. His army came in and took everything, brought the king that he was supposed to kill to him and King Saul, because of the fear of man, And what his army would do allowed them to keep the spoils. They took gold, they took sheep, they only took the best... ...so they could sacrifice it to God. That's not what God told him to do. He disobeyed. So as king, God removed his presence from him. In other words, when you and I disobey... ...when you and I fall into sinful places... The Holy Spirit cannot be a part of that in our lives. He just simply steps out, says, have at it. You're going to have to do this your way, but I can't join myself with that. Keep that in mind. Disobedience is a form of sin in our lives. And you and I, because we love God, we keep and obey what the Word says. We don't delay. Samuel had to get a new king. But he needed to find one with the right heart who would obey and not make the prior mistakes that King Saul had made. So let's turn to 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, the first verse. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Samuel's really upset. Samuel's like, God, what in the world? Please don't let Saul not be king. He just made one mistake, pretty much. And he says, how long will you mourn since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Skip down to verse 7. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesus, Jesse, called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse had then Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked, Hmm, Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and he brought him in and he had, was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and appointed it in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. David has been chosen by God. And this sounds very familiar, don't it, is that he's not, last week we learned he wasn't looking for the strongest. He wasn't looking for the tallest. In fact, Gideon didn't count himself worthy of anything. He was actually hiding behind things so that he wouldn't be seen by the enemy. But this one God says, I'm not looking for what's strong. I'm not looking for the tallest of all these boys. I'm looking at this right here. Some of us think that we don't rise up or raise up to be what God needs us to be, but God's saying, Don't look on the outward appearance. Don't look at how many hours a week you read your Bible. Don't look at how many right or wrong things that you do. Look at what I'm looking at. And the heart, no matter you keep tripping up and falling into that wicked place, you immediately run right back to me. And I see your heart. I see that desire to be godly. I see that heart to be righteous. And I am your righteousness. I am enough for this moment. And you're going to be free. Don't give up. Keep returning back home. Jesus was looking, God was looking for something specific in this king. And he was looking at a heart. A heart that was important. He's looking for a heart in you and I that's important to God. First Samuel, the 17th chapter, we're gonna walk our way right through like we did last week. I know, you'll hang on, it's okay. From chapter 17, 3 through 7. Now, This goes on a little bit further and you can read all that in your other time, but I'm reading the things we need to get through today. It says, the Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another hill. Someone say competition. competition. Looks like there's going to be a standoff. God's people against not God's people. That's what it was, right? And it says, with a valley between them, a champion named Goliath. Now, This was another champion. So champion against champion was our Jesus, amen? The only other champion mentioned in the Bible is Goliath. That's it. That's it. You want to know why? Because he had conquered everything and everyone around him, okay? Who was from Gath came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor. Of bronze weighing five thousand shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed six hundred shekels, and his shield bearer went ahead of him. Now I looked up some of those, and whether it's theologically correct or incorrect, I'm not sure. I'm just gonna give it for the today's story. Okay, I'm just going to tell you. 125 pounds was the male that was on this man's body. And let me bring something to your attention. That everything in the Bible is symbolic or a type of something in the Bible. And it can be referred to over and over and over. And I think the fact that his male had scales on it was very intricate. That the only other thing that we know that's of the enemy that has scales would be a snake that he looked and appeared like the enemy back in Genesis, the third chapter in the 15th verse. And you can go back and look at it. It's a beautiful typology if you can actually get through it all. But he literally, I'm a little over, I'm a lot over 125 pounds. Did you see that catch? Goliath had me on him, literally walking like nothing, 125 plus pounds. But he also had the shield that his armor bearer was carrying, that when he needed it, he could carry that too, and all the other armor that was on him. He was nine foot tall, according to these. And I asked Andrew, Andrew said, this right here is the clearest depiction of what nine foot tall looks like. That's pretty big. Nine foot tall. So David they believe, was anywhere between 14 and 16 when this battle ensued. I probably don't have any 14-year-old in here. Do I got a 14-year-old in here? I didn't think so. They're probably all in the youth. Okay, well, I'm going to say that a 14-year-old boy looks about my height because they ain't hit puberty all the way yet and they ain't grown up. But here's what it was. Think of how big it was. In fact, when you read on to the 8th verse, this is what it says. It says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you are not servants of Saul? Just choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight me and kill me, he will become, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become ours and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing this Philistine's words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. This means literally deeply shaken. In one of the translations, you go back to King James, it literally means they were having heart attacks. Heart attacks. When this giant would come out and taunt them, they would just fall over, faint, pass out. Like, oh my gosh, we cannot fight this guy. What are we going to do? They were deeply distraught. Go on down to verse 16. It says, for 40 days, this Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, this is dad back at home with David in the the field. Remember, David's already been anointed to be king. That is in true timeline that he has already been anointed. In fact, he's already been playing the harp for King Saul. When King Saul gets distraught and feels this evil spirit come upon him because the presence of the Lord has left him, he said to Samuel, get me a man that can soothe this pretty much. So Samuel's like, I'm calling out to the guy that the presence of the Lord is with. And that happens to be David. So he brings David in and David starts playing the harp. And he's like, who is this kid? This is really good. I like him. Keep him. Who else, right? Just use... He just brings him into the palace because God's making a way for David and his reign. So it said, Jesse says to his son, David, take this basket or ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread to your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. In other words, the Israelites are watching their army out there, and they're like, come, give me some word, like nothing's happening out there. What is going on? Maybe they need some food, some strength. Maybe that'll get them, get them going, right? There was Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out and Je- as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp of the army and its battle position, shouting the war cry, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers, Hey, how are you guys? Dad sent me with some cheese and some bread. (laughs) I, I can see it happening. I can just tell you. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out in defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw this man... They all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. He comes out to defy. The king will give him great wealth to the man who kills him. He'll also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from paying taxes in Israel. That'd be enough to make me kill any giant right now. Come on, someone say, I don't like paying taxes. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? Hmm. David begins to get riled up. The spirit of God within David begins to realize, unlike the character we talked about last week, who was naturally reserved. He was fearful. He was concerned about certain things that David, God had already been working a plan in David's life. He had already anointed him. He had felt the presence of God with him and knew what it felt to be around God and his confidence. And all of a sudden, David's getting ticked off. If you can imagine, he's like, who do you think you are? Did you just hear what he said about our God? Let me just say this. David was very young, but he had the fear of the Lord inside of him. Do not say that the younger generation has no fear of the Lord. I don't believe it. I can name... 15 20 30 kids right now that are walking in righteousness that are sanctified that are living a lifestyle Sometimes some of us old people have forgotten that we need to live a life that righteous that we have forgotten a little bit of Sanctification in our lives and they're not stepping over that line. They're staying right behind it And they're like did you just hear what they said our God can't do We need to champion those kids, champion who they are. Because I'm telling you, we say they're the next generation. No, they are the generation. You and I are on our way out. I'm being honest with you. I've lived 51 good years, going on 51 good years. This is going to get over with real soon. I'm being honest. There's life in my kids. There's life in your kids. There's life in your grandkids. And they're exactly who God called them to be. And they're going to make mistakes just like you made. Just like I made. And we're going to help them out of it. But that is our future. David was Israel's future. And he was ticked off by what the devil was saying against our God. He was ticked off and spiritually riled up with an indignation that said, something's got to be done about that. And so he just simply asked, what was happening? David knew who God was. He knew him. Listen to this. This is really good. It says in 27th, it says, they, replaced, they repeated it to him what had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. And when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger and asked him, why have you even come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You only came down here to watch the battle. David says, what have I done? I can't even speak without you getting all ticked off. I mean, like, you can see this brother-brother banter going back. I can see Lincoln and Quentin saying both of these things. Like, just, what do you mean? Just let me speak my piece. You know, they go back and forth. They're they're brothers. He then turned away, and someone else brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. Let me tell you something. This is very descriptive, that sometimes the enemy will use people around you in your very family to listen we all have family dysfunction don't even act like your family's perfect because it's not true it is not true we all have a level of family dysfunction whether they're mad at you whether this sibling doesn't get along with this sibling this sibling thinks this one's too confident this confident sibling thinks you're insecure it doesn't matter it's present don't act like it ain't it is God can fix all that, but in the meantime, until he does, sometimes it gets seen. Sometimes that accusing behavior gets us to lose focus of the very enemy that we're trying to face. Let me tell you something. Remember in the beginning when I told you that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. Do you realize that in the scripture, his brother literally accused him of the very reason God chose him? God's chose you for a specific reason and I'm gonna be honest with you maybe in David's 14 year old age He was a little conceited and maybe he did have a little bit of pride and a confidence issue Maybe he thought he was all that in a box of chocolates even though he kept sheep But I'm gonna tell you he was the odd one of the bunch. He wasn't the tallest He might have been good-looking. That's what the Bible said, but I'm telling you he was keeping sheep and all the other six brothers were bred for battle Bred to be warriors, bred to be soldiers. They were in the army. David was the one that was not. So it tells us that David was the most unlikely choice to go out and fight a giant. But what God was saying is that I just need someone with the right heart, the right heart. And so David's literal identity is being challenged. When every time you and I fight the giants that we face, the enemy comes and he attacks Your identity. He attacks what you know that God's already spoke about you and just tries to rub it in. Who you think you are. You don't even know who you are. You ain't strong. In fact, you're conceited and dark. And I don't even know why you're here. Go home. Go back keeping your sheep. Go back to sitting on that church pew. You ain't got no leadership ability. You ain't got nothing a dream team can use. You can't help nobody. You're here because you need help. Isn't that what the devil does? When God brought you here, not just for what you can receive, but what you can give too. Tell him to get behind me, Satan. God chose him because he had a heart. And he knew that David's heart knew God. Let's go to verse 32. This is huge. It says, so David said to Saul, now Saul, the king now calls down to David because someone overheard it, said, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. In other words, David, you're 14 years old. It's going to be okay. Your servant will go and fight him. This is what David's saying to Saul. Like, I'm just telling you, I got what it takes. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. Again, it's ageism really stinks. And he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion and a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and I killed it. Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God." Not dead, not yesterday, not gone, but the living God. In other words, there were still works being displayed from their God. He was still rescuing, he was still saving, he was not silent, he was alive and working on their behalf, like he's alive and working on our behalf. The Lord rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the bear with res- will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. See, David had history with God. David had some past experiences that he could call up. By the way, I'm just going to remind you that experiences don't come to those who sit still and wait experiences come for those who grab and go those who are in the battle those who show up to practice before the game that's who God's with that's what happens and sometimes some of us we get so downcast and so broken in who we are and we get caught in that identity crisis we can't get past what the people around us are saying that we are We can't get past what our brother or our mother or our father has said to us. It might even be a sister in the faith. We got to get up, get off the bench and get in the game and show up for practice. David had past experiences. When he begins to tell Saul his testimony, by the way, that's a test. A test, will you do what you need to do in order to bring the outcome, God says. Because if you do, you pass the test and you get a testimony. But if you don't take the test, if you don't step through with faith on the test, then you don't have a testimony to talk about. David had a testimony. Because when the lion came, when the bear came, David went, Oh, I've been waiting on you. Let's go, buddy. It's on. Not because of what he knew was in him, but because he had been spending some time in the field. He had been spending some time with Jesus. He begins to tell Saul his testimony, and he begins to say that I'm going to tell you what, how Revelations tells us, that we overcome by what? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. David starts overcoming before he even steps into the battle zone. He's already telling the testimony of what God's done before and begins to tell what he's going to do. I'm telling you that the words you speak announce where you're going. David simply looked at King Saul and said, I'm going to tell you this is how this is going to work. God's already given me a lion. He's already given me the bear. And I'm going to take the head of that Philistine. And he begins to prophesy his end from the beginning. He begins to prophesy the defeat of Goliath from the beginning. And he knows that if God cares about the sheep, if he cared about those sheep enough to save them from a lion and a bear, that God, the great and mighty shepherd cared about his sons and daughters. I need to remind somebody today that God cares about your giant. He cares about you, daughter. He cares about you, son. He hasn't left you. He ain't forsaken you. He's come to save and rescue who you are. I think David was attributed to 73 psalms. These are songs in the Bible. You know, he was out there keeping sheep every single day. And I'm sure that if you had to sit out there and watch, I don't know how many sheep there are. I mean, just think of it. Today's world like a lifeguard. How boring. This is what they do all day long, right? David made songs. David played. He's like, dude, I bet he had his guitar strapped to him with a stick. Like this, you know, because he needed music when he was out there. He was learning who God was. He was reading scripture. He was spending time in prayer. He was worshiping the Lord. I don't have proof of this, but I just wonder if Psalms 23 was written after he killed a lion or a bear. Listen to what it says. It said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me by still waters. He restoreth my soul and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Come on. Of the shadow of death, where that bear is, where that lion is. I guarantee you he had got a glimpse before he had gone through that valley before. And maybe he just saw the tail of a lion and thought, well, we're going to walk gingerly through here. But the next time he came to that valley, he was expecting that the God who delivered him was going to show up and said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Still my heart, just keep your focus on Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff comfort me. The rod and the staff, the word and the spirit of the Lord comfort me. Thou prepares a table before me in the midst of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. It had to be after when King Sam, when Samuel the prophet anointed him because he remembers my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David had history. Someone say history. history. I've got History. Say, I've got history. history. Let me tell you something. Every single one of you in here got a testimony of something that God did. Some of you need to start sharing the testimony of what God's done in your life. A giant that he's taken out. Some of you need to start speaking the prophetic word to the end of the giant that you face now. For though he looks like he's nine foot tall, I'm here to say that whatever your stature, whoever you are, it is enough. And that God will be with you. Verse 38. We're going to continue in our story. It said, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. Hmm. He put on a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around. But he was not used to them. He said, I can't go in these. He said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. And he took them off. Let me remind you, David wasn't interested in anything that did not fit and what David knew was this armor that you're trying to put on me man's way man's idea of how this giant should be slew ah I'm taking off that jacket because that ain't the way God made me we look at Ephesians 16 it says put on the whole armor of who he didn't need Saul's armor he had God's supernatural armor upon him. Let me tell you something. Some of us got to stop going the man's way. Our answer is not in man's armor. That is not going to protect us. The answer is in God's armor. The battle is not yours, it is God's. Step away from what doesn't fit and take it off. It was new. To David. You want to know why? He was in the presence of God. He walked with God. He didn't walk with man or the way that man walked. Let it be to you and I don't walk as man walks, but only as the Lord. Here's the 40th verse. He said, Then he took his staff in his hand, he chose five smooth stones from the stream. And he put them in the pouch of the shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached this Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over, and he saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing in health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come out here with
2: sticks? (laughs)
0: And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you. Who? The Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that I am a champion. What it says? No, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope. wait, wait, wait. Oh, that was that was a little pride in there. The world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword nor by spirit that the Lord saves. For the battle is not the Lord's, and he will give you, all of you, into our hands. David viewed this battle entirely different than everyone else. He knew because of his heart for God. He knew differently, and because he saw the battle differently... He viewed this battle through the eyes of faith. He did not view this battle through the hands of his own. He did not view it through what he could do. He viewed it that he was going to join his force with the Lord and be the action point of God so that it would bring glory to God in the end. He didn't view this battle to be won with the sword or the spear. There's certain things in our lives that we keep fighting. This family dysfunction. And we just think that if we can have one more conversation, if we can just talk about it one more way, let's let's just try one more time being nice. I need you to be quiet at Thanksgiving and you to be... This battle cannot be won by flesh and blood. This battle is going to only be won in the supernatural realm. You are fighting principalities of a spirit world who is bringing in discontention, disunity, and making your family a mess. It's a supernatural place. You're going to do more on your knees before God than you will do trying to talk it out at Thanksgiving. David viewed this as the Lord's. Now I want to show you something before. Well, let's, mm, let, let's go ahead and show our video now. I know I'm a little early. Let's just show it because I really want to talk about that.
1: Haremos un pomelo con la onda.
0: some of us view a slingshot I did that Lex showed me that video last week and I'm like that is just blazing amazing I don't know for some reason my kids grew up with this slingshot that has the with the like this and you got to aim it like this I don't know that that was the slingshot they used and I'm just telling you David had a whole lot of practice just like this little guy out there keeping sheep that's pretty much, if you could look at the area of like what David would see, that's how I see it. I don't see it flat terrain. Israel's very choppy. It's got big mountains, big rocks. But I'm telling you that David knew what he had done because he, or what he was about to do because David had showed up to practice every single day in the field. David probably made his own target. Andrew told me before service, he said, Nick, you do know that this is every man in this entire world if you give him a piece of paper and a trash can, he's going to try to hit that trash can with that piece of paper. I'm like, he does? He said, everyone, if there's a target, a man's going to hit it. That's the way we're made. And I'm like, that's a beautiful story. I think that's great. Read 48. Here's what it says. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. Did you see the speed of that? This didn't take a minute. There was no time for Goliath to even open his mouth. Because in, even if we went with the longest distance, six seconds, the stone was gone. Six seconds. It hit Goliath right where it was supposed to. And it said, the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. With a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him, and he took a hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from its sheath. I can't imagine how big that thing was. And after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero, their champion, had been conquered by God's champion, they turned and ran. Here's what I want to tell you. Today, in a nutshell, David is a type of Christ in the Bible. David came to save God's people. Just like Jesus came to save you and I. All the people. David's fight or defeat of Goliath foreshadowed the victory of Christ over all of his enemies. See, Jesus, the seed of a woman, the seed of Mary, had come to battle the serpent. Come on. You can find this in Genesis, the third chapter, the 15th verse. It was predicted before the beginning of time. To conquer the power of darkness and become our champion. Jesus knew that his death on this world, or in this earth, would fulfill his mission. That the cross would surpass the death of Goliath. We honor Christ as our champion because he crushed the head of our enemy. If I had time, I would go back. Please go back to Genesis, the third chapter in the 15th verse, where it says that a seed of a woman will come and he will crush or bruise your head. He prophesies it here. Jesus comes and now our enemies are defeated. If you and I will choose to view each and every one of our enemies differently the way David did, we will be confident Here's what I know. When you view God differently, you know him. You know him according to his character, according to who he is. And when you look at your battle through the eyes of faith, you see that this battle is God's and not yours. When you do that, you have a confidence that God is with you. You have a confidence that you are with God and you have a confidence that you've been with him before and he's won the battle. Why wouldn't he do it now? Stand to your feet. During the worship service, I heard a scripture read to me. And this is what it said. And I'm going to give it because I feel that it's the Lord's leading and he wants us to do something. I don't, I I didn't even know this scripture. I've heard it referenced through my life, but I didn't know it. Here's what it says. It's Isaiah 55, 6 through 7. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Seek the Lord while he may be found. You know there's coming a day and an hour where everything that you need to know is going to have to be known. Because a tribulation is going to come. And those that are left will have a very, very, very hard time. I feel that scripture was twofold for us today. One, Don't hesitate to begin to know God like David did. Because if you don't know who God is, you will tend to be a lot like Gideon, questioning what he is and who and what he can do. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Gideon. There's not. God's walking with him and he's working with him and he's waiting on him and he's assuring him. But David had the confidence. David reflected Christ because Christ came in confidence that he would defeat the enemy. You and I have Christ. You and I have been accepted as sons and daughters. But I throw this out today for the rest of that scripture in Isaiah. Maybe there's some here today that you're facing giants in your life, but you haven't made your peace with God. You don't know him as the father. You don't know Jesus as the son who came to save you. The church is here for people, for we've all been at that place once in our life where we've needed to accept the love of Christ for you and I. I'm gonna ask all of us out there today, and I'm gonna put the responsibility on some of you members. If someone's sitting next to you that you don't know, You don't know that they're right with God. I see a sister talking to another sister. I saw that. See, this brother brother thing, it works in sisters too. I'm gonna ask you to ask the person next to you. I'm gonna ask you to get out of your comfort zone. And I want you to ask somebody because sometimes if you don't ask, you'll never know. And they feel the unction to go forward, but they're scared. They're afraid of, of what might happen. We're not going to make an obstacle of you. (laughs) Or not an obstacle. We're not going to make this big scene over you. We're just going to love you the way you are. And we're going to pray a simple prayer. Because if you accept Jesus' love for you, and you believe that he is the son of God, and that he died and resurrected for you, and that all your sins are forgiven, then there's only one thing left to do. Just confess it and start living your life for Christ. It's the ABCs of Christianity. Accept, believe, and confess. So simple. Members, look around you and ask someone today. If there's anyone, there it is, get out of your seats, get out of your comfort zone, I like that, that's good. And if there's anyone here that says, I wanna make peace with God, I wanna find this place with him today and I wanna start living for Christ today. If that's you, then just walk them down here. Just walk them down here together and let's just come. Here they come. All right, I like it. This is good, this is discipleship. This is God doing what only God can do. Nothing that man can do, only what God can do. Praise the Lord. Come on, come on, here they come. Praise the Lord. Hello, young man, how are you? Yeah, it's nice. Not... wait a minute. You should quell as a brother. I missed you last weekend come on down this is great Shaquille here today okay let's pray just repeat after me say father forgive me for I have fallen away and I want to come home I believe in your son Jesus I acknowledge him I want him to lead me and guide me through this life. Devil, I denounce you. I serve you no longer. I serve the living God. I believe you died and rose again for me. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Turn around. This is your church family. Look at these guys. All these people out here, they're here to help you. They're here to love you. They're here to walk with you, all right? All right, now you're gonna go with this guy right here because he's gonna give you some information and we're gonna talk about getting them in some discipleship classes. Why, because we need to talk to them about being committed to church. We need to talk to them about baptism. We need to talk to them about being filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to talk to them about living a sin-free life and what it means to walk with Jesus, amen? Church, give yourself a hand clap. That's you. That's you. You invited people to this church where God said, I'm going to meet them on this day. And their lives are never going to be the same. Father, we just come before you today. We thank you for a good day in the presence of the Lord. Father, I thank you that we no longer live in the shadow dwelling places of being a champion. But God, we realize that what you purchased for us. Father, we begin to walk in that champion spirit and in that life that lives within us. Father, taking these giants on every single day, no more avoiding, but dealing with them with confidence like David, viewing it through faith, choosing, choosing to look at this battle as yours and not ours. Thank you, Lord, for winning for us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We love you, church. We will see you back on Wednesday. If you are sick in your body, if you need prayer today, I want you to come down forward. We're gonna pray with you and just believe for a miracle of God.